0: Welcome to Never Meet Your Idols, a podcast where your idols get real, whether you like it it or or not. not.
1: (laughs) Hi, welcome to episode seven of Never Meet Your Idols. I'm Kure.
0: And I'm Laura Mary. And here we are.
1: (laughs) And here we are. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And... Today we're talking to Dennis from Refused. I'm not sure how to say his last name, so we'll ask him, but um, given how Refused is known for being, I mean, I guess he's in a bunch of different bands. Yeah, Um, loads of bands. Refused, Envision, with International Noise Conspiracy, which I guess, yeah, they're they're not around anymore, but um, Fake Names, which is a band I haven't heard them yet, but um, one of the other guys in it is the guy from holy fuck so i'm really curious Um, but yeah I think it's going to be a very. In depth conversation a deep yeah a deep conversation. (laughs) 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 Um, So we'll get right to it, but before we forget we're really doing a bad job at getting people to to subscribe subscribe and no that's subscribe what's the other one rate us rate us yeah I know we're terrible at that
0: every podcast I listen to they everyone's like please subscribe and rate and it's like we never do that ever we're terrible at it, so please do it help us out
1: (laughs) we're terrible at (laughs) self-promoting Yeah. Do we have to beg? Um, Please subscribe and uh, review and leave us five stars, five stars (laughs) only, (laughs) only five stars allowed. Um, Okay. So there's that. And let's just jump in. He's perfectly on time. He is Scandinavian after all. (laughs) That's true. Okay. Okay. Let's get him in. Let's get him in. Here's your idol. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Welcome to Never Meet Your Idols.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: Um, first of all, how do you say your last name?
0: Yeah, we were trying to figure this out.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, in Swedish. It would be Luxian, Luxian. I mean the the Luxien, yeah. Luxian. But I I mean I say Luxian when when people ask me that I'm not from Sweden.
0: Are you still living in Sweden? Are you-
2: yes, yeah. I still live. Um, I still I honestly um I just moved back to the small town where I grew up, like uh four months ago. Oh wow. Yeah. I bought a house uh Yeah. And I moved back to my small, I mean, I live uh, really far up north in Sweden and um, it's a small town where uh, 8,000 people live. So, yeah. Wow.
1: Must be
0: beautiful. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet it's beautiful. Yeah.
2: It's, 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 I mean, you know, the, the town in itself is, is all right, but I mean, I I live in an amazing house and uh, I'm, quite stoked about that so it was it was one of those deals where me and my partner found this house and um I didn't want to I didn't want to move back to where I grew up and uh, she was like no this house is fantastic and then um, after thinking about it and coming to terms with some of my uh, demons from growing up I was like yeah I guess we we should we should buy this house so yeah um, I moved back which is incredibly Strange, but also kind of nice.
1: Yeah, I bet it's something you never thought you would do. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ever. I mean, I think that's as you get older, it's funny how those things become possibilities, things you would never consider. Because, you know, you have, like you said, all the baggage and memories and whatever comes with wherever you grew up. And then you spend the first half of your life being like, I'm never going back. And the next thing you know, you're like, "Hmm,
2: yeah." I mean that—that's what it, I mean. It's—it's it's interesting because I grew up here, and it was—I was, you know, obviously the weird kid, you know. And uh, I really hated it here. People, it was not a a, a place that was kind to me, and it didn't really—I mean, it was rough, you know so i moved but the funny thing is i moved like the big city which is it's only half an hour from here and you know 120 people live there and that's where i lived my entire life so i've always been close to home and i if someone would have asked me like eight months ago oh you should move back to you know your where you grew up i'm like that They would never happen but the house that we found is uh spectacular it's the, the coolest house i've ever been in and then And uh, it was just one of those deals that it it had to happen that way. And the lady that lived here, she was an artist and she was 90 years old. And I told her, I'm like, I grew up here. I didn't like it. And she's like, oh, I never liked this town. She lived there for 90 years. I I I guess we can do that. And as you said, like, as you grow older, I think your perspective on what you need changes. Cause
1: uh, you
2: know, you know, it's still, I'm only half an hour away from, from the city. And I'm only like, you know, like it's six, seven hours by car to Stockholm or like 50 minutes on a plane to Stockholm. So, I mean, it's, everything is kind of close. I don't really, I don't hang out downtown that much as you used to when you were a kid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do think your perspective (laughs) changes. And like what you said, your perspective of what your needs are and, as you get older, but also through this pandemic, I think that's also been something. Yeah, I was gonna say. um. Like you just realizing kind of what you think you needed versus, you know, what you think you needed and wanted versus maybe what you actually need and want. But Mm. I know that you are like a really busy person, used to be very busy and like prefer to tour a lot. And so how has it been, you were, during this pandemic, obviously not touring and then you've moved back home. So it's it's a lot of things that you probably would never expect.
2: No, it's, it's been, uh, I mean, to move back and, and to move to this house has been actually pretty amazing. And, uh, I think also part of the reason why we felt we could move here was because of the pandemic. Like because I wasn't touring, because I wasn't always gone. Because uh, I mean, the house was kind of run down, so we had to really work hard to get the house in shape. And and uh, I could you I wouldn't spent have had like time to do that when you working. were on tour. Yeah I, yeah, I would never have time when I'm always touring. So I spent two months working on this house before we can actually like properly live here. So that was really like if you if it hadn't been the pandemic, I, I don't think we would have moved here. I don't think that possibility would have would have presented itself. Um, it's been a pretty bad year. I mean, we were right in the early stages of a, of a, touring cycle. We were just feeling some sort of momentum and then, you know, the world shut down and, and, uh, you just have to sort of, uh, maneuver around what that means. And I mean, I think for most of us, for most of us, we felt like, okay, the, the world is shutting down. It's going to be like a month or two. I think all of us thought that that was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, so for the first like couple of months i was super focused i was writing music every day i was doing yoga every day i was like super super focused and then when we started canceling like the fall dates and we we're canceling i'm like wait this is just going to continue so when the fall came like after the after last summer i was like this is really rough you know because i mean it's also not not only yeah i mean the financial aspect of it but but like the the existential aspect of who am i if i'm not this person that's always on tour and that that you know i'm this person that i really feel like my best version of myself playing music so it's it's been a strange year but it you know i think it the house came out of this year which is kind of great i guess
1: yeah yeah very great
0: it's stuff always comes out it's like no matter how I guess everyone just adapts don't they it kind of gets to a point where everyone's just kind of adapted even though it's hard it's like good things have happened yeah
2: so. I mean mm-hmm. I think one of the dangers though is that we humans were we're quite good at adapting ourselves to situations like we're we are adaptable that's mm. like one of our features and I think it's weird because people adapted so quickly they're like oh I know more live music Oh, I guess that's it you know and and, and it's a strange things, be, thing because uh, all of these things that mean the world to us. I mean, we just sort of people just accept that. Yeah, that's it's just gone. You know, I mean, things are starting yeah. to open up and things are starting to. I mean, normal. I'm not sure normal is ever going to be the case again, but it, it's starting to happen uh, at least so that people can play shows and do stuff. But it is weird how quickly we adapt ourselves to a situation that we don't really like. Yeah. You know we're like oh I guess this is it yeah. now it's just Netflix <laughs> <Every night on. laughs>
0: yeah and then and then like adapting back as well like now people like stuff is opening up a bit more like people are like I don't know if I want it to open up more I've had a lot of That's people what say that I'm going through
1: it's like stressing me out more, yeah that things are just starting to quote-unquote go back to normal and almost as though nothing happened but I think it's hard for me. I've really realized how hard of a time I have in social settings in general. Like even before, before yeah. the pandemic, because like having to go back into it is stressing me out more than the like pandemic itself.
2: <laughs> that's that's why it's great to live in a small town of eight thousand people. There are no social settings. Though. But
1: it seems like you've made it work yeah. because I feel like, especially all three of us being touring musicians and being used to that lifestyle, it's hard to be good at maybe um like the everyday everyday life without kind of that (laughs) escapism of touring and the distraction of touring and the fantasy of touring especially even when it comes to like you said you you said you had a partner like relationships for instance like it's different when you're in a relationship and you're gone most the time but what about when you're in a relationship and you're like with the person non-stop during a pandemic i mean that's really Trying. It's a very, That's you know. <laughs> yes,
2: it's
1: very different. Right? It's like one extreme to the other. So yeah. to yeah. to to know that you came out on the other side successfully, that says a lot.
2: Yeah. No, but every two three weeks, she looks at me. She's like, "I think maybe you should go on tour now. Like, I <laughs> I need some me time. You're always around. Yeah. I'm not used to yeah. this. You know.
1: Yeah, it is a balance. It totally is a balance, but as long as you can communicate about it, it's good. Cause that is normal. I think it's like, it's good to be in a situation where you can say that, where it's like, okay, now I need to some space, you know, but it's also good to know that you could be together Mm -hmm. and not like it, not be a relationship based on you being gone most of the time. Like I like you more when you're not here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, know. It's, it's funny because, uh, She, she also plays music, but she hasn't really toured. So when we met and I I started touring, she was like, why don't you call me every day? I'm like, well, touring is this weird thing where you're like, as you say, it's like the touring bubble, like you're so engulfed in this world. I mean, there's always people around you. There's always, I mean, there's always something going on, but there's a lot of times nothing's happening, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and there's totally, always people yeah. around you and like you don't want to call someone like there's like 10 people there's sound check and so I was like oh you know I was trying to explain and then she went on tour uh, she went to China to play for a week wow. and she called me like twice and when she came yeah. home I'm like you get it she's like See? I get it I get it it's fine you know like I'm not I'm not going to say anything from now on <laughs>
1: um, well the, the one question we ask everybody um on this podcast is have you ever met your idol or one of your idols and if so tell us about it we want the Mm -hmm. dirt dish the dirt
2: well it's it's interesting i was thinking about this today it's interesting because when i got into punk rock i mean when i was young and i was i was into metal you know like metallica and slayer and all that um those guys felt like rock stars. They felt like you know unattainable on a different level. And I got into punk and hardcore, and all of a sudden, like all the all the rock stars, all the my idols, they're just dudes or or girls. They're just like you know they're they're kind of on the same level. And um, and I met most of those. Like I met, I mean, the bands that really changed my life. I met most of those people. I mean. I'm in a band with Brian Bacon for Minor Threat. Minor Threat was a band that fucking changed my life. And now we play in a band together. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of surreal and kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and one of the first things that, uh, that punk rock kind of taught you was like, th- no rock stars, no, none of that book. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's always been a weird, I mean, I'm still nerdy enough to be like when I see someone like, oh, it's that guy from that band. I get super excited, even though that band put out like one seven inch 35 years ago. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. You know, so I'm a bit of a nerd like that. But then when you meet people, most of them are they're really cool and really nice. I met Nick Cave in an elevator once. That was insanely weird. I was just like in the elevator and he walks in. I'm like, oh, man, did you just Nick Cave in the elevator. But he was nice. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's nice. Um, but did you meet the guys in Metallica? You met James Hetfield, yes,
2: yeah. And yes, you think no, James I Headfield haven't met James, James nice? Hetfield. I met I met everybody, everyone, but everybody James but, Headfield.
1: James Headfield.
2: but James Hetfield. Yeah, and they're all su- They were all super nice. But to to, I mean, um, uh, what's his face? Kirk Hammond. He loves Refused. He's mm-hmm. like a massive Refused fan. So. He actually came to one of our shows and just, you know, hung out backstage. And then um, Metallica got it. Uh, they got like an award in, um, in Sweden, like maybe three years ago. And there's this big award ceremony where they have all these different musicians playing Metallica songs. Uh, and it's like the king is there, like the Swedish king. And wow. I did. I played a Metallica song oh, wow. with Mickey D from Motorhead on drums. And and so I met those guys. Awesome. I mean, I I kind of went crazy, and they were like, "Who's this guy?" And then there's like an after party <laughs> where I met where I met Lars Ulrich and Robert. You know, they were super nice. You know, <laughs> like were they like your childhood sort of
0: favorite band, Metallica? Or, um, well,
2: or one no. of them. I mean, what, you know, you go through phases. The cool, the crazy thing about when you're young, everything goes so quickly. You'll have like a favorite yeah. band, and then like eight months later, you're like, oh, I don't know about those guys anymore. <laughs> I mean, this is my favorite band. So, I mean, you go through uh, bands quickly, but I love Metallica. I really loved Anthrax. That was like, that was like among the living with Anthrax. That was my jam. And I mean, I met those guys too. They were super. I mean, they played a refused cover. Anthrax recorded a refused cover, which is, you know, wow. I was like 15, I had Anthrax posters on my wall, and then you know someone's like, oh, they, they recorded new noise. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? So, I mean, you know, I, I've been lucky enough where a lot of people that I really liked when I was a young person, I met them. I mean, one here's a funny story one of my favorite bands when I was like 14 was Motley Crue. I was like, my one of my favorite bands when I was like 14. <laughs> and then in uh, 2011, I was touring with this uh, Italian. Uh, band act called the bloody Beetroots, and the guy that's like the guy he was like we have like a couple of days off in LA uh do you want to stay at Tommy Lee's house and I'm just like yes what yes <laughs> we stay at Tommy Lee's house." And I mean they, they did some music together so I ended up staying at Tommy Lee's house for three days and I'm just like we recorded a song I was playing bass and singing and I was like I was looking around I'm like 14 year old me would think this is kind of crazy like Tommy Lee's playing drums back there yeah exactly you're like what the fuck's going on and he was super nice he was like yeah he's really nice he was a great host he was was like he was like a super excited kid the whole time
1: he totally is that way all the time I just like so like a big kid who's like loves life and loves to play music (laughs) It's like he did not get (laughs) jaded at all (laughs)
2: <laughs> but, that's his secret. So secret. That, that was a bit surreal I'm like you know that that's like you know so so I mean I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of uh the bands and a lot of the people that uh, that I grew up listening to and I you know like now it's a bit different because it, it's a funny thing when 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 you're young punk and the older punks are so much older than you and then you become kind of an older the punk. old the one. Older, yeah. The old punk's are not that old <laughs> yeah. anymore. you yeah. like, oh no, we're, we're almost kind <laughs> of the same age now. And um, when you are kind of a, a lifer, uh, all of a sudden, like all these old punks, they're like, oh yeah, you're just one of us now. I'm like, oh shit, that's, that's, I didn't think that like, you know, 25 years ago, I was like, you know, these guys, all oh, those guys, you know? So yeah, that, that's an interesting thing about the punk world, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, longevity (laughs) says a lot too. just like like you said, being a lifer, I mean, it's like you get your cred.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, let us know when you uh, meet James Hadfield, I have a suspicion that he's not as nice as the (laughs) other guys.
2: I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's weird. But but I think it's like. I'm sure that someone met me once on tour where I was kind of dismissive, where I was, you know, somewhere in my own head. And people are like, oh, Dennis is kind of an asshole, you know, because sometimes you're just somewhere else, you know?
1: Yeah. Because you're and not sure always, just... th- that's what people don't realize too, is like, when it's yeah, like they don't. you don't know what's going on with that person in that moment, you know, maybe they didn't sleep all night. Maybe their mom just died. Maybe they just got into a fight yeah. with their boyfriend. Like you have no idea, you know, like, so it's true, except I have heard nothing but good things about you. I tried to, like, I asked around, and nobody said you were an (laughs) asshole. Uh, (laughs) There was a story, actually, a previous guest of ours um, was Joe Cardamone from the Icarus line, and I know that they toured with you guys, with, what is it? It wasn't with Refused, it was International Noise Conspiracy, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, they were very like he said, you guys were really patient with him or like nice guys, because that was when he was all fucked up on cocaine. And I guess he like stumbled into your dressing room and you guys were like sitting there quietly, like drinking tea, like reading, like philosophy books. <laughs> and he stumbled in and like was like, can I use this table? And you're like, sure. And he just got on his knees and started doing a bunch of lines of cocaine. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I seem very
2: patient. (laughs) I think it's like uh, uh, Swedish people, we have a tendency, we're a bit shy and a bit introvert Mm -hmm. until we get to know you, then it's fine. And I think always when we're on tour, we're always a bit, you know, like every time we go on tour with a band, even if it's like it was noise conspiracy or refuse or invasion, it's always like the first couple of days, the other band, especially if it's an American band, because Americans are. Like, hey, what's up? High five. You know, I mean, the yeah. second you meet them, you're like. Mm. Yeah,
1: totally. So
2: every band we're on tour, they're always like, what's up with these guys? You know, because they're, you know, we're, we hang out by ourselves. But then, you know, it takes a couple of days. We're really friendly. I think one of the things for me is, like, I never did drugs. I was never drunk. I was always, you know, like, really focused on uh, on the music and getting that done. So, uh, you know, like, it, it's, I think it's the whole punk legacy, too. Like, it's like, just treat people you know, the way you want to be treated. And I mean, when we start playing shows in our hometown, like one of the things that we always did was like, I'll play some songs and then I'll just walk down to the crowd and then the people in the crowd walk up and then they'll play some songs. that was always like, for me, I mean, still to this day, we, we play Refuse. I always check out the support bands. I always go out in the crowd and hang out because it's just like, it's just kind of how I was raised, you know, with music. Uh But yeah, yeah as you said, I'm, I'm sure I've been an asshole to people just because i was tired or i was in my own head or whatever but I just try to be nice to people
0: yeah I, that is like a thing about like going up in the punk in punk music it is like an ethos and i like i do notice that when it's sort of um other bands that i've meet when i'm on tour ever and they come from that scene it's like there is this kind of etiquette and there is like a the things that you do is just like I suppose it is like a DIY thing as well. It's like, you're just kind of a bit more in tune with, um, like it's not as rock star, I guess. It is, I think, I a DIY say,
1: thing. It's true. It's like that. Yeah. You, you kind of earn, like, you know what it's like to slum it and really kind of, you know, yeah, that's it. yourself yeah. and work hard and, and be in shitty circumstances. Yeah. So you kind of have that respect mm-hmm. for other people who are going through the same thing yeah Yeah. exactly and like caring about the
0: support band and like making sure people are like okay and and yeah and just that kind of thing where you just watch the other bands and yeah that's just like a punk thing which I really I really like and I'm I sort like of, paying it forward yeah, I believe in that stuff.
2: yeah and I think I mean yeah. as you said like if you're from that that world I mean it's just like a natural thing and and um when we start playing music in our small town there wasn't really enough bands for us to be competitive like we always had to help each other out because like oh if we don't help those guys out then there will only be two bands at the show so i mean it's always like yeah. helping each other out like yeah you can borrow our equipment you can borrow our drums it's fine it's too- i yeah. mean we still too have uh, try to have these ideas like we refuse when we go on tour we always try to like let's move all our stuff. Let's, let's have the support band, have all of the stage. We don't want yeah. to be, and, wow, and I mean, for nice. me, it's been, it's been interesting because with bands like, like Invasion, we're not a big band. I mean, we travel in a van and we play venues that hold like 150 people, you know, and we carry our own equipment and we sell our own merch. So I, I've been kind of lucky enough to be between, I mean, refused. We have the tour bus and there's hotels and there's like a tour manager and, so I've been lucky enough to balance those two worlds. So I I, I don't ever, like, there's no risk of me, like, becoming that rock star. And yeah. I think it's- You're still grounded. It keeps, it keeps you grounded. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I think the rock star thing is, for a lot of people, it doesn't really have a lot to do with success. It's more of an attitude of how you want to carry mm-hmm. yourself. Because, I mean, you, you know dudes yeah. that- they put out like one single and the leather pants and the sunglasses come on immediately. And you're just like, Whoa, you know what I mean? I mean, so I think that's, that's more of an attitude, of how you want to carry yourself. And I mean, I'll, I'll give a, a good example. Um, we played Riot Fest a couple of years ago, we refused and the two headlining bands, well, two of the headlining bands were Queens of the stone age and nine inch nails. And, uh, Nine Inch Nails that the whole backstage area sealed off. When they were go, about to go on stage, they cleared all of the backstage. There were like security guards everywhere. Like it was impenetrable. It was like, if you wanted to say hi to Trent Reznor, it's no way, it's impenetrable. Um, Queens of the Stone Age, Josh was just on stage watching every band taking photos, drinking beer. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, you know, there's two ways, different ways of approaching what yeah. you want to be, you know? And I mean, you know, Trent Gresson I'm sure that's fine for him, but it's when you saw that from the outside, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy, he, that's his way. And then Josh, he's like, I don't care. Like, I just want to hang out and watch bands. Very. Yeah. That was fun to see. <laughs> Invasion. uh We did a UK tour with Echo and the Bunnymen once. Mm-hmm. Speaking of rock stars. Really? It was. Yeah. <laughs> And it was like the funniest thing because the venues were small. It was like, I think the biggest venue was maybe 1,500 people. But some of the venues were like, you know, 800 people. And Ian McCulloch was just like, he just walks in with a swagger, the sunglasses. I mean, oh, there's, a, there's a, a venue where there's like two des- dressing rooms. So Echo the Bunnyman has one. Ian McCulloch has one. Invasion, we're just like in the corridor, <laughs> you know? And he oh, just... Yeah. I'm just nice one of close. those dudes that's like I've always been a rock star I'm not going to stop now and it was it was, yeah. it was like one of those things like viewing it from the outside like we're packing up our gear and someone screams like you need to move your shit Eon's coming through we're like wow this is amazing uh, <laughs> but he's you know. not like but, Axl
1: Rose like it's Echo and the Bunnymen what year was this
2: <laughs> like five years ago six years ago No. <laughs>
0: yeah I kind of love it in a way. I kind of love it.
2: No, but I I do love it as well because he was everything the Gallagher's want to be. He was that 15 years before those guys. Yeah. And he still has that swagger. I mean, they wrote Killing Moon. They wrote Lips Like Sugar. I mean, you know, they they are rock stars. But it was just funny because the venues were kind of small, and it wasn't, you know. But then, yeah, yeah. Then I mean, we we didn't talk to them at all. Like it was very much like we're the support band. Like you guys are over here. Like that, you know. And then the last know your place. Yeah, know our place. <laughs> but then the, the last night, as we were leaving, like Ian comes out, and I'm like, hey, I just want to say hi, thanks for having us on tour. And he's like yeah, you guys sound really great. And I'm like, well, if you ever need a support band, he's like, fuck yeah, the Scouser never lies. We'll bring you on to it, you know? yeah. and then I met him on a festival with Refuse like a year later and he runs up to me and he hugs me. And then he says, Dennis, do you want to buy a bag of weed? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm I'm about to go on stage. So, I mean, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just one question, we're talking about like yeah. the people you vitalized or looked up to, but I wonder, Refused is a band that like so many people talk about, so many famous kind of rock stars talk about how Refused influenced them, right? Like, But is there ever a time where you hear that you were like the influence? I always wonder this because I don't have this problem, like rock stars aren't talking about how I influence them. <laughs> so I just wonder... <laughs> um is there ever a time that you're like some band is saying that you're the reason why they exist and they're just horrible and you're like because I was thinking about this about like I remember talking with someone in Rage Against the Machine and them being like talking about how they inspired an entire genre that they can't stand (laughs) you know and I just wonder is there ever a time where you're like god that like you're so bad don't 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 tell everybody that I'm the influence behind your terrible music. But so many people say that you're their influence. So refuse as their influence. Do you ever, have you ever been like, Ooh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah okay. I mean, <laughs> um, Cause I know it's like really, of course, I mean, like cool when people say that I would imagine, but I just yeah. wanted to know if there was ever the other side
2: of the coin where it's the opposite. I, I, mean, I mean, it happens. It's, it's like, see, here's my take on it. Art's free. You know, you can get inspired by whatever you want and you can take whatever you want and, and turn that into your own thing and be like, oh, we're really inspired by this. And you're like, yeah, that's a complete misunderstanding of everything, but that's your <laughs> prerogative as, as an artist. Yeah. You know, that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, when you start out playing music i mean especially me i wasn't i wasn't planning on becoming a musician i wasn't planning on becoming like someone that you know famous bands would we'll talk about our band i mean that wasn't in the cards when most of the 90s we were a small hardcore band playing squats in europe that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what we were you know and then we made a record that really changed uh, people's perception of who we were it's insanely flattering that 20 plus years after that record we still talk about it and people are still inspired and no matter how shitty your band is it is a privilege to be able to to have done something that people really took to heart yeah that being said yeah i've heard a lot of covers of refuse songs that are horrible <laughs> there's a lot of bands yeah. <laughs> i mean there's a lot of bands that are like we love the refused man we mix a little bit of hip hop and hardcore and the dj and i'm just like that's not and it's you metal. know so yeah and and <laughs> a lot of times i mean from my opinion but just my opinion it's a complete complete misunderstanding of what we wanted to to represent yeah but that's also the thing about art like like you can see band yeah. live and then you, can say, you can't
1: choose how it affects yeah people. yeah
2: you can say like I really like this part of the band and then the band's like I, we didn't even know that was a thing you know so I think yeah but yeah I've, I've, I've met people and it, it's weird I don't want to I mean I don't want to sound like an asshole but a lot of times when people say like our band sounds like refused I'm just like "Ah, I'm not sure I'm gonna like it because that implies that it's something you know like I, it's it's just like a weird thing but then you know when when some weirdo like uh you know kirk hammett says like oh i love refuse we listen to refuse when we wrote saying saint anger i'm like that's insane that just blows my mind in so many <laughs> yeah. Levels um, Ang- yeah i mean most of the times it's pretty awesome and then sometimes yeah. you're like well, that crazy town, they did like a cover of you New know, Noise. It's like the worst thing I've <gasps> heard like, Oh
0: my God.
2: Oh my God. You know, god. you want to write I'm a totally to system, like, Please stop playing this. You know, yeah. like, you, you don't yeah. understand what we're all about. You know, <laughs> oh
1: my god that's amazing. I haven't heard, of, I haven't thought of that band since 2001. No, I was just going <laughs> to say that. Yeah. They, I mean, it's
2: not even, <laughs>
1: they had that one. Hand. They just
2: do the riff and then they scream, get up, come on. And it's just, there's like a live clip of them doing that. And it's like the most awkward thing. And you should cover, you
1: should like do your version. You should cover their cover of your cover. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a big parody of itself.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you know, but yeah, it, it, there's been a couple of times where I'm just like, oh no, like i I'm, I mean, like the Radiust Machine thing. You're like, well, I'm a bit ashamed of where this, <laughs> where this went, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for on- honestly um, answering that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have a couple fan questions. All right.
0: Um, this one's from Tim. He says, "How do you view the concept of competition?" And he's given examples like competition in sport, competition in music and art. In
1: economics.
0: Um, competition in economics.
1: How much has the desire to compete or contend driven you in your career? This is a very like philosophical. Yeah.
2: I like it. It's good. Yeah, no, that, that's great. I think that uh, it's an interesting question because I think a lot about that. I think a lot about that because of course, with sports and stuff like that, we compete, And it's, it's you know, it's, it's I mean, it's not always good fun, but I mean, it's good fun, you like your football team one or, you know, whatever. Uh, so that kind of makes sense. But as for music and arts, there's this ingrained idea that capitalism put upon us that there's only room for one person at a time and you have to compete with the others to, to, to create your own space. And and I think that idea is insane. And I think there the, the way we consume music and the way we listen to music, there could be room with thousands of favorite fans. You don't have to have one or two. I mean, there could be room with thousands of favorite fans. Um so I never felt like like um I never felt like I had to compete with others, and I never felt like I wanted to like be number one. I just wanted to create art, I want to create music and Sometimes I've been lucky enough where that, um, you know, that creativity led to something that people really liked. A lot of times I created records that no one cares about and no one listens or no one buys. And that's that's fine. I mean, the amount of time I put into those records are usually the same amount of time you put into the records that are successful. And so so I think that art, the idea to compete in art or music is, for me, that's insane. It's a highly subjective um, experience while sport is like, he scored two goals, he scored one goal, he won, but, but art is like, it's subjective. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, art they, is and like, your are like, in art. You'd like to think we'd hope that one person's success in art doesn't equate to another person's failure. Exactly. You know, it's not like there can only be one winner. It's like the more art, the better. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But I I think that the way uh, capitalism works and the way this world works, it is very hierarchical. And it, it's like we we are ingrained with this idea yeah. that oh those guys put out a great record, then it means there's no space for for our band, you know. And I, and I think that that is a problem, and it's a problem of how people view art. So I think that we should get rid of that thought because it's like it's so it's poisonous, you know. Like like we should just, as you said, the more art, the better. The more bands, the better. The the more great bands you are surrounded by hopefully your band will be greater because of that so i I think it just for me that that you know like competitiveness in in art i i never been about that but i mean sometimes you see a band i do. i have two things i'll go to a show and i see a band i really don't like i really want to go home and write music or if i go and see a band that i really like I'm like, oh yeah. shit, I need to go home and work on my my skills, you know. So it's like
0: yeah, know, yeah I feel like that <laughs> it's motivating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I get
0: that. <laughs> yeah, motivates you. The,
1: our last part of the show is rants and raves, which is just it's just a fun thing. It's like one thing that you're really into and you want to rave about at the moment could be anything, like not music related or any, Anything literally anything, yeah. and then one thing that you just are hating on right now. Could be also anything.
2: Um, <laughs> it's tricky. Um, what, are,
1: what It seems like you have like a guilty pleasure you'd like to share with us.
2: Yeah, I you have a guilty pleasure. G- g- oh, let's hear it. I'll tell you. Um, so last year when everything shut down and i mean you know you couldn't go to shows you couldn't go to the movies i mean nothing you know uh, a friend of mine called me up and he said uh, let's go play disc golf you know what disc golf is no 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 exactly <laughs> it's exactly what it is it's a uh, you have a crispy <laughs> but it's like golf yeah yeah and he called me up okay. and he said, "Let's go play disc golf." I'm like, "No, I can't do it." We used to play disc golf in the late '90s, but uh, I couldn't control my temper. I got so angry <laughs> that I had to stop doing it. And he said, "Let's <laughs> let's do this. Let's go play disc golf." It's like a, it's like an 18 hole course, and it's like the same setup as golf, but you you throw a frisbee. And uh, okay, wow. And we went. After he he really twisted my arm, I'm like, "Yeah, I'll go." And uh, that's something that really kept me sane this whole last year because it's like you go outdoors, it's in the forest, uh, there's a bunch of us, we're a bunch of friends that do it and it's like an hour or two hours outside and you talk shit and you throw frisbees. And it really kept me, yeah, it kept me sane. I mean it's it's been like a lifesaver it's insane because it's super nerdy and it's super weird but it's really been a lifesaver this past year when i haven't been able to travel or or do anything so i've been playing yeah. a lot of disc golf you can google it it's, it's super so
1: you throw crazy. a free yeah i'm gonna and do that What well, you're not aiming for a hole right like in golf it's you're a trying basket to get a ball on, oh. it's a basket
2: with chains so it's oh, like it is cool. uh, yeah what and kind of
1: outfit me. do you wear for disc golf like tiny shorts
2: I mean, I...
1: What's the uniform for disc golf? That's what I'm interested in.
2: Yeah, I think for for the disc golfers, I do the quotation marks because I don't really... (laughs) I don't want to be part... It's like a a budget version of golf, like pique shirts and like shorts. I mean, I have stretch jeans and a Misfits t-shirt. I mean, I, you know, I I just... (laughs)
1: We'd love to see that. any footage or pictures of you in action playing disc golf. Just send them our way.
2: I mean, I think there's one picture on my Instagram that you can look at where I where I played disc golf. golf. Yeah, wow. that's so, where I mean, your that's, competitive you know,
1: side really comes out.
2: Yes. Well, the thing is, like, it used to be like that, and that's why I had to stop playing because I couldn't control my temper whenever I lost or whenever in I had disc a bad golf? throw. Yeah. I mean, I wow I, I it was a problem in anger <laughs> and uh <laughs> when we started playing again i i found myself back into old habits of getting kind of angry and then one day i came home from from the course and i was i was really super upset because i i it's been a bad day and my partner looked at me she's like why do you do this if, if it makes you feel like this and i'm like I had yeah. to do some soul searching and now i'm not as competitive and i really had to be like you know settled down i have to be like yeah you know a bit more zen about <laughs> it uh, but yeah that's that's wow. something that i've been really into last year that's really
1: cool and yeah. in, in the forest i, I love mean, that
2: i'm not sure how cool it is
0: yeah i like it i think it is because it's i would never expect that I
1: think that's. We'll cool try it, Laura, you
2: know, when you come back, I didn't even know. What it to was. Town, I didn't even know what it be was. Trying disc golf. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, there are great courses uh, in California. It has a ton of great courses. So yeah, let's do it. And another thing that I do, which I don't really, because uh, it, it's also an unexpected thing. I used to play football or soccer, soccer. as you philistines call it. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And. Uh. Three years ago, I fucked up my knee. That's why I had the knee surgery now which meant I had to stop playing football. And uh, I, I took a course and I'm a, I'm a licensed football coach. Really? And I coach a fourth division. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, and what's something right now that you're like really sick of and
2: hate. hate? Hate, yeah. Um. One thing, I mean, there's plenty of things. I try to, in general in life, be a bit more sad about things because a lot of things you get angry about that you can't really affect you just like yeah it just makes you angry then that that anger has nowhere to go especially now when I can't tour like that anger is nowhere to go Mm -hmm. um I I really one thing that bugs me is like the climate of online debates like 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 the Facebook or Twitter debates about things yeah it's Insanely stupid, and um, I mean, especially coming from like a radical socialist point of view. If you say, All okay, right, so here's here's an example. You say we should have universal health care, and then someone responds, but what about Stalin? And you're just like, <laughs> that's, that's like, like, yeah, I'm and what about data. Yeah. yeah? What about Stalin? What about <laughs> gulag? I'm like, that has nothing to do yeah, with what do you, having, got? you know. What universal about healthcare and i mean that's kind of how people think and and i think that the way we we write and the way we speak that's a reflection of how we think and and it there's it's i mean people are kind of dumb and i mean i'm not saying that people are dumb but there's definitely dumbing down of, of political discourse there's definitely dumbing down of of, of you know, the way people think about politics and and how politics has gone from uh, ideology and ideas to just persons and and, uh, opinions. Mm Because it's like, that's what it is. Yeah. uh, In Sweden, I read that uh, young people in Sweden, especially men in Sweden, uh, they have the most opinions about everything, but they have the least uh, uh, amount of, um, like, uh, understanding of what they're reading oh yeah which is insane like they don't understand what they're reading but they have tons of opinions i think that's, that's a man like, thing from, in know, general yeah
1: Yeah.
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> yes it's true it's very much you know like i i mean i loved when 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 the term mansplaining came about i'm like yes it's it's a complete <laughs> it, so it, it's so on point that's exactly what that is yeah so yeah but but it's <laughs> there's something very frustrating about i always inspired uh, my art and music to be intellectual and to have like a like a intellectual gravitas even i mean some of the music is quite um i mean it's it's quite barbaric <laughs> some of the music but but there's like an intellectual edge to it and i just feel that music is kind of dumb the 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 the, the conversations are kind of dumb the the debate climate is kind of dumb and there's like a dumbing down of people Uh, so that's something that i i I really don't like
1: well i think also it doesn't help that when it comes to social media for instance instagram or twitter facebook um the issue is i feel like people's attention spans have gotten shorter and shorter and so they have these opinions And the opinions are based on just a very small amount of information or hearsay that may or may not even be true. And they don't have the attention span to actually educate themselves or look further into it. And then they base this opinion and then they just like in a tweet can say something that's actually totally off base and irrelevant and it doesn't even make sense. But everything's been simplified to like tweet form, you know, and everyone's attention span can only be, you know. Tweet form basically everyone wants to read like yeah, the spark yeah. notes of something not even spark notes, you know, so right. it's just like nobody's totally nobody's taking the time to actually learn anything that's like really yeah. going on to educate, just, themselves. educate yeah. themselves and, and yeah. then but they want an opinion and they yeah, want to participate sure. and get this like yeah, instant yeah. gratification of I'm participating and, you know, sparring but really it's it's yeah. there's not any kind of um. Critical thinking behind it. <laughs>
2: anyway, it's interesting because when when I got into politics, uh, one of my biggest like not, yeah my my biggest fears was that I would come off as not educated about it because I, I never I mean I didn't go to school I didn't go to university or anything so I was like I had a study circle with my friends where we read Karl Marx The Capital. Because I wanted to be able to be like, okay, this is what we're talking about. These are our ideas. And um, I was really serious about educating myself so that I, if I had conversations, I I, I could back them up, you know. And uh, as you said, yeah, people just, uh, they just have opinions. And they're not based in anything but, you know, a feeling. I have a feeling that this is what it is. So that's what it is. And, yeah, it's it's quite disturbing. And it's quite... It also makes you not want to participate in that type of conversation. Yeah,
1: for sure. Well, it's pointless to an extent because mm. you're not really going to yeah. get anywhere. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, one, no. one thing, too, that I it's, it's just like a, a weird. Uh, if Slayer puts out a new record and I don't like it, I'll just move on with my life. I feel no need to log yeah. on to Facebook yeah. go into their page. <laughs> and yeah. you. It's such a weird impulse. Weird like, I don't so. understand why do you want to go on my Instagram and tell me that this record sucks. I mean, just, yeah. if you don't like it, then just yeah. fucking don't listen, listen to, to it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. listen to it. I, I, I know. know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, we talk about that yeah. a lot. It's, I agree. Yeah. 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 Very strange. Um, yeah. Mm. I think maybe just people have too much time on their hands what? or
0: something. Yeah. Or they just want, I think it's actually an attention is,
1: thing, maybe. Yeah.
0: I think it's like a self-gain yeah. thing. It's like, a self-gain is to make
1: them feel like they're or Participating or being seen or heard in some way, even yeah. if it's on someone else's Instagram. It's just yeah. like some kind of serotonin, yeah, right. like some kind of attention. Like,
2: Yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's a way, yeah. very, very strange <laughs> thing. I think I'm a bit too old school to even understand why why you want to do that. And you I, know, I that's mean, what
1: social media has yeah. made
2: me realize: is how old I am. <laughs>
1: like, I don't get it
2: <laughs> 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 um, on that note. Um, think, yeah, yeah, no, but I think there's something to be said. Sometimes like I'll hear music or I'll see something and I'd be like, I don't understand what's going on right now. And I'm quite fine with that. Like, not all music is, is aimed towards me. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, I'm a yeah. white yeah. middle-aged man, yeah. You know, like, yeah, why, why would you know this new <laughs> hip queer thing be? You know, I don't. You're not the I'm target audience. Exactly. Yeah. I 15 years ago, I that really stressed me out. I'm like, I don't oh, know, wow. understand what's. But now I'm just like, yeah, it's 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 for those yeah. people, though, or you know, yeah. they want that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. So I think it used to stress me out but nowadays I'm just like yeah I don't, I don't understand TikTok. I'm I'm 100% fine yeah. not understanding TikTok. Yeah.
0: No.
1: You don't need to understand <laughs>
0: okay <with> TikTok. That. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, no. <laughs>
1: um thanks for yeah, thanks for talking to us. having Thank you so me. much.
2: Hope, uh, yeah, it was a fun yeah. conversation. Yeah, and,
1: fun. and hopefully I mean, I know everything's opening back up and we'll all maybe be on tour again sometime soon living yeah, in our bubbles so. maybe our bubbles will cross paths
2: i hope so yeah we can all play disc golf together i'll show you that would be it's awesome a whole yeah. thing. it's a whole thing it's like <laughs> google it you can go on a, a disc minute.
1: golf tour
2: oh, i would love to
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right nice talking to you we'll we'll see you later yeah nice to you. talk to you bye. have a good
2: one and and thank you guys soon Bye-bye. bye bye bye
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Never Meet Your Idols. Join us next time when we welcome Ben Thatcher from Royal Blood. To submit questions for us or our guests, email us at nevermeetyouridols at gmail.com.
0: Or send us a message or voice memo on Instagram at nevermeetyouridolspodcast. Until next time, I'm Kare. And I'm Laura Mary. See you (laughs) next Tuesday.